<laughs> I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure you'll figure out where it goes sort of in relation to that. Right. Logic would, you know, have us believe that I am an intelligent human being and know what I'm doing with technology. So, yeah. <laughs> it is it is Wednesday, right? I'm not going crazy. We do record this on Wednesdays-ish. Uh, when, Wednesday-ish. It's Wednesday-ish, yes. Okay, that's not too bad. So I was looking at our analytics, because, you know, it's the first uh, podcast back. I hope you liked the name, Wombat. I really, really did. And, you know, that was... Uh, are, we, that... are we still publishing to Spotify? We are. We are actually on Spotify, believe it or not. I may have to go through and change a few things as to, like, tags, because podcasting, for many people who don't know, is you can actually gain so many hits by making sure that your podcast is in a variety of categories. If you just put your podcast into, say, let's just say for the sake of argument, you put it into film, your podcast is only ever going to fill, uh, fill in those film podcast categories. So if you expand and say, let's say, you know, we talk about a whole variety of things, we could talk about television, we can talk about books. And so you're able to actually go down that filter and really expand the hit range, which I think is what happened last time. I think our max listenership, if I was able to get the data, I'm sure we could find it, don't you think? I don't know what the max was, but I, I know as we sort of tap it off, we were getting um, between about three or 400 an episode. See, that's not bad. So for our first episode back, we officially, to all five of you who downloaded it, <laughs> thank you so much. And it's great. So currently, uh, for those of you out there who use RSS, that's where we will be actually posting most of our podcasts. But it gives me, it's creepy. It's like the top five locations. Now, the funny thing is that with the top five locations, we've only had five downloads. I know where all of you are that are listening. <laughs> We've actually got three Australian fans, two are from Brisbane. One of those is probably my mum. Hi, mum. And then we've got two fans in America, one from Forest City and the oh, other in Ashburn. Yeah, Because right. last so, time, I think when we started taking off, it, it started in India? Yes, it was such a, a wide scope, and I think we had like a massive listener base, <laughs> he says, in Turkey of all places. Oh, that's right, yeah. And like we, yeah, we did so, eventually get a number of um, sort of Australian and American, but I remember it started off in the more um, Eastern countries. Right. And so I think we've got a listener, a singular listener somewhere in, I'm going to, yeah, it, it is Ashburn. So kind of the, uh, I want to say the Northeast of America, we've got somewhere kind of in, shoot, I am so sorry. Is that Washington? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's I, Washington. I think we it's just Ashburn. lost our American viewer. <laughs> oh no I'm, I'm there we go we are sorry to our american friend out there <laughs> but okay that's enough of us just talking about ourselves do you think we should roll an yeah, intro I, I think we should roll an intro and then we should actually probably do a show Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Pop. I'm Cricket. I'm Wombat, and we are back. Um, we we uh, kind of took an extra week off. I don't think that was planned. No, but I don't mind the fortnightly thing. Honestly, and it might end up becoming a thing. Did, did we used to do it fortnightly? Can you remember? We did a lot of things, Wombat, <laughs> and I don't... You know, we came and went of our own whims. There was a point where we were doing it once a month, once a week, once a fortnight, and... Yeah, 
I think Fortnite is enough that, you know, we get our fix of each other and the people get enough of us, right? Yes, I, I, I think then we will commit to being as reliable as we were last time. <laughs> oh, that does not bode for well for either of us or our listeners who may or may not have decided to just stay on with us. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And thank you anyone coming back here. I'm, I'm curious to see sort of what the um, pickup is like if we get some old ones. Because I think the first one we did when we came back for the, the next, to recall the next episode, it had like two views. So we're technically up by 250% on our restart. That is not bad at all. I mean, word of mouth is the best form of advertising, so tell your friend. <laughs> um, I, I also just want to point out the irony that we, we had a, a podcast going, mm. and then a pandemic started where everyone thought, I'm going to start podcasts, and we completely shut down. Now that pandemic is not over, but, you know, sort of coming out and people are getting back to life, we've gone, oh, we should do a podcast again. We've just completely missed it. That's that's quite a strain coming from there. What's up at your end? Sorry, I was just... I've, okay, so I have my dog in my booth. I, I think we've had this discussion whenever uh, Farah has the decided... Dog is in the booth, to, yes. Yes, the dog is in the booth. Now, for those listeners, when we were originally recording, I had a booth that was about 1.2 metres wide by about 2 metres long. It was quite sizable. That is very and, generous. It was not that large. It was quite a big booth, bud. It was very... I could walk. I could easily do a bunch of sit-ups in there comfortably. With this new one, I can't. I, but, I remember it being quite tight. Oh, because you can't fit two people in there, but you can well, fit we, a dog we and a did. person it was to the problem. We, we did a lot of episodes in that booth. <laughs> but to answer that, yeah, we, ironically enough, decided to stop during the pandemic. Let all the people who wanted to do their podcast thing go and do it. <laughs> Because that was the opportune time, right? And why would we take advantage of the opportune time? We do this the hard way. Absolutely. It's hard way or no way at exactly. all. We're actors first and foremost. We didn't pick the easy road. Speaking of actors. <laughs> we are medical conditions first and foremost. But go on. Speaking of actors. <laughs> speaking of actors, I want to talk about Don't Worry Darling. Have you been hearing the news about all of this? Oh, I, I admit I've heard the news, but I will be very upfront in that I don't know what's happening and I haven't followed it. So um, I'm, I'm happy to weigh in if you oh tell me, God. like if you tell me what you've heard, but I, I just want to make clear I haven't <laughs> done the story myself, so I, there's probably more than I know. No, it's just been such a fascinating, um, I guess, ride. Really? You know, we've had the likes of Olivia Wilde, who, in all honesty, I actually didn't know who she was until all of this started. And basically, as like her directorial debut has come in, working with the likes of Florence Pugh, Shia LaBeouf originally, and I think it was also, yeah, Chris Pine. Um, the way this whole thing started is that eventually Shia LaBeoufgate has come into the fact that apparently he was causing some problems with suggestions and recommendations and he and Florence Pugh weren't exactly getting along. There was a bit of tension on set. Sh Olivia Wilde quote unquote fired Shire. A couple of days later he comes out with the receipts and basically just fires back saying that she was you know fighting to keep him on board this whole time. Two very different sides of that coin then. Oh yeah but when it goes from being hearsay to actually giving physical proof it's a big deal like 
it, it's quite a shock. And no one is right in this. So I'm just like, it moves on. Because then the real tea happens. Um, Olivia Wilde, at least at some point, was actually married to Jason Sudeikis, um, you know, of Ted Lasso fame. And obviously they had kids together and... You know, they would come to set with their kids, but it turns out that Olivia and now Harry Styles were engaging in a bit of a dalliance on set. That had not hurt. Yeah. I mean, again, I haven't heard a lot on this story, but okay, that's... I, I try not to steer into gossip. I, I'm not a gossip fan, but this has just been so you, interesting. You and I because... are both going to have to possibly go for a little more gossip if we want to do a podcast about pop culture. <laughs> you are absolutely right. And so there was this whole thing of, as the film has come out, more and more controversy has just been leading into it. It's like the controversy is leading the marketing more than anything else. I, I was going to say, it's it's the Mark Ruffalo thing where they, he, he live-streamed Ragnarok's first 10 minutes in his pocket at the premiere and it got more publicity than everything else combined. Oh my. I didn't know that. Oh, didn't you? Uh, Mark Ruffler tells a great story, but the short version is, you know, he got in a lot of trouble because he was on Facebook Live and he thought he ended it. He didn't, so he went into the movie and so people got to hear the audio from the movie until someone came and told him what was happening when he freaked out and he could, didn't know what was happening. And Kevin oh Foggy got really mad at him and he said like he was going to interviews and he couldn't look people in the eye until he saw Kevin Foggy again. Oh. And then Kevin Feige rushed up, gave him a big bear hug, and was like, that was genius! We got more marketing from that than the rest of the promo! Oh, no, pay on free marketing, right? And so mm. there's been this whole thing of, like, um, apparently Olivia's behaviour on set was that she was kind of just more engaged with Harry than anything else and was apparently caught up in it all. Allegedly might be the word we're going for. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, Florence Pugh has stepped in to do a bit more of the directing because they just weren't getting enough off her. And then as the premiere at the Venice Film Festival has happened, so much has gone down. It is insane. So at film festivals they and like uh, press junkets, they generally have people spaced out in certain ways. It's like uh, when you tactically place dinner guests at a wedding, um, you know. I was, I was going to go for the same metaphor. There was a space of like, in the photos, <laughs> you have Florence Pugh as far away from Olivia as possible. Harry Styles is kind of, kind of kept in between it all. And currently... Um, Florence Pugh wasn't making eye contact with Olivia and what's been going around Twitter is as they're like, you know, at these massive film festivals, they introduce the actors one by one for the film. So Olivia Wilde's already sitting down and then it's Chris Pine. As Harry Styles comes in, there's this moment where Chris Pine's just sitting there clapping. Harry leans over and allegedly, I can't tell because it's a very low quality video, allegedly spits in Chris Pine's <laughs> lap. And something has been done because Ooh. Pine immediately stops clapping, looks down, and then just something just registers on his face where he's like, he's just had enough. And I, I don't know. You say, you say it's a low quality video and maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate, but at these events, there is no way there's not a four or 8k camera rolling on them. Like if something did happen, I'm sure there'd be high quality. There's footage got of to it. be. And I want to roll into that utilizing the Venice film festival. Brendan Fraser, 
looks like oh i no i was gonna segue you to go that for it. No, no, no 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 by all means you go into this oh no i i, ha I hadn't planned a segue yet but i i was like okay we're at the festival we have to we have to bring up the brendan fraser we do thing. and that was such a like i've never felt more giddy as like a brendan fraser fan than i did then like he's so almost out of his element seeing this this is almost like 15 years of pent-up anxiety of not feeling worth it as an actor like he's done projects here and there but this is the first time where he's like it is okay for me to say yes i am enough and god if actors need to hear that more yeah honestly i like you you see actors cry all the time obviously it's one of the traits but there's something so heartfelt about those genuine tears just in life in moments like that it's similar to i, I must admit i can't remember which actress it was but like just broke down winning the oscar a couple of years ago had no idea what to say. There's been a few. Yeah, um, I, you know, it's it's just th those genuine tears where it's the joy. It, it really brings something. But I mean, we're we're about the same age, and we we don't necessarily have to give a number. But um, like I think Brendan Fraser was sort of one of the actors that we both would have grown up watching. Very much so. Airheads. Um. Like who who would be that now? Oh, the equivalent. Or almost almost Ryan Reynolds, I suppose. He was, you know, the sort of leading man who had some good good banter, some quips about. I I don't know because Ryan Reynolds kind of started out when we were in our mid-teens, you know, National Lampoon. He did, but and... he had a very different feel. I mean, look at the first Deadpool in um, X Men Origins. Oy. We try not to mention that, and I think he tries and rectifies that in Deadpool <laughs> 2. But you're right. Oh, and, and absolutely he does, but it's it's very different. You know, he wasn't then what he is now, whereas, like, again, it's different. There's 20 years difference, but I think that's sort of what Brendan Fraser was um, to us. Like, he was the handsome, leading, funny person in, you know, the fun action films. Yeah, and he was set for that. I mean, we try not to talk about George of the Jungle, but that was still a fun film. He... His career has been varied. Like, he kind of comes from, he's what, about 54, I think? He's about mid-50s. And, because he came up with the likes of Matthew McConaughey and everything like that. 53. 53. I was close. I was you very were pretty close. close. I would take that. <laughs> you would take that? So, yeah, for him right now, like, we grew up, uh, well, you know, as the 90s kids that we are, he would have been that, actually, he would have been our age, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone crap. He's done all this, and what have I got to show for it? Yeah, wow. So why why we're doing a podcast with five listeners? He's doing the mummy. Yeah, man. Could you imagine doing the mummy? How fun that would be. I just love that because that was still at a time when CGI was a thing, but there was still so much in the practical effects department. Well, you know, I think we're coming back to that more. Like I think um, producers. Um, or like filmmakers are starting to realize that we we need that blend. And don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't mean to blame anyone or any particular department. There's definitely been a push towards CGI for many different reasons. But we are so much starting to get that blend now of practical and CGI. And I think things are starting to look really good for it. Yeah. No, it's actually been kind of interesting. All right. We know. What have you been watching? I already can take a guess. <laughs> what What do you think I've been watching? The Rings of Power. Well, I have watched Rings of Power. I've watched the first two episodes. I must admit, I don't actually even know what night it launches, but I did watch the first two the other night. We're only up to episode one so far, but I must admit, I was actually quite impressed by it. I I was very up and down, I must say. Okay, what what got you going? Now, 
no, I'm gonna go for it. Um, I I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I want to start with that. Like, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm absolutely a Peter Jackson fan, but I'm not anything that's not Peter Jackson is terrible. I I like to think I'm fairly open to things. Um, it it took me a bit to get in, and I felt that once I started getting in with the storyline, they then cut to other characters, which I know is a sort of fairly standard. We're setting you up multiple storylines, multiple characters thing, but I was like, no, no. You just got my attention. You just convinced me that I should sit down and keep watching this. Why are you changing it? Like, if I wasn't invested in the world of Middle-earth already, at that point, if I was watching a pilot, I would have just turned off. Would have been like, oh, okay, here we go. I don't know where we're going and I don't care. But, again, to be clear, to, at the end of the episode, and again, the end of the second episode, I, I am enjoying it and I absolutely will see the season out. Um, it did just for me, it was that bit of a roller coaster of a start, and it's kind of like, am I interested? Uh, no, I'm not interested. You haven't given me long enough to get interested, and you're moving it. But again, that, that could just be the, um, you know, my ADHD and inability to pay attention. <laughs> it's very, very much a contributing factor. I, I don't want to, again, I, as I said, I don't want to try and say, you know, writers were bad, or this department was bad. It, it's, it's just how it was to my experience. But tell me, Cricket. I mean, it seems to be paced... I, it, it just seems to be paced in a similar way to uh, The Wheel of Time. Now, obviously, Lord of the Rings definitely is a precursor to Robert Jordan's epic, and the TV series of The Wheel of Time, to just make a quick segue, is a slow-ass burn. But slow-ass burns are, are becoming quite a thing. I mean, look at um, Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul. Like... Not that it wasn't engaging, they were slow as hell, but like, man, did they have an audience. Mm. And that's the thing, is they are banking on the established audience of the Lord of the Rings universe, because this isn't, I, I'm not across Tolkien lore, so I can't actually comment on it, but this is based around the Silmarillion, is that right? Uh, no, or you definitely can't is... use the S word here. <laughs> oh, okay. I... Uh, so the, 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 sh the short version is, and we're skipping a bit of legality, but the short version is the estate that owns the rights to Tolkien will not give away the Salmarillion. They wouldn't even give it to Jackson. Wow. Um, so I believe this is just after Salmarillion, but it's actually been quite a while since I sort of looked into Tolkien law, so I may actually have that the wrong way around, and I'm sure one of our five listeners will tell me if I am. Because <laughs> there is that wonderful internet backlash these days of how... Like, Elon Musk, for example, uh, as much as I want to quote this guy, is saying that Tolkien is turning in his grave. And I kind of wanted to reply to that and ask him um, how much perpetual energy would he be able to make off that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I could cash in that $100 million he offered for an energy solution a while ago. Oh, wow, and it's just J.R.R. Tolkien just <laughs> yeah. spinning in his grave. I love how Neil Gaiman kind of just clapped back at him and it was kind of fantastic oh i haven't seen this oh no it was um tell, tell me what it is it let me he basically just said um elon musk doesn't come to me for advice on how to fail to buy twitter and i don't go to him for <laughs> film tv or literature criticism <laughs> okay okay yeah so that's fun and like it, musk is like a tolkien head at least that's what everyone has led me to believe. Well, that, that's what he time... leads people to believe. I, I have no idea how true it is. I don't know if you can be a Tolkien head when you claim to work 152 hours a week. I'm not sure where you'd get the time for reading. Audiobooks? But then he'd be focused on so many other things. 
That's how I do it. I have a lot of audiobooks that I go through. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I can't criticize that as someone, um, again, with ADHD, like 22 inputs, absolutely fine. <laughs> oh, God. And as well as that, um, just to go through the Creative Arts Emmys have been happening. A bit of context is artistic and technical achievement in, like, everything. So it's for behind the scenes personnel of the Emmys. And that's actually been really, really fascinating. So it's for the, it's the less lauded ones. It's in the same way how, um, at the Oscars, for example, they have what are called the technical Oscars. So yeah, there's the creative arts Emmys, there's the daytime Emmys, and there's the prime time. And for those sports fans out there, there is also the sports Emmys awards. And they've actually, what was it? Uh, Love, Death and Robots was one that actually had a decent bit of success. And what was the other one? Oh, Arcane. That was the other one that won a, um, a Creative Arts Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. Which Arcane I'm kind of just getting into now. I'm a bit late to the game. But it's very pretty as a well, show. If, if we record next week, if not the week after, we'll have to we'll have to do an Emmy thing, and maybe between then and uh, now, you and I should actually do some research on what was nominated and what they did. There is so much to catch up on. Just nowadays, because of streaming the way it is, there is such a reach of content that there really is. And actually, this this brings me to a topic I was uh, thinking of bringing up. Go for it. Um, have you seen and bear with me on this Samsung's new screen? And we are not sponsored, but I will happily change that Samsung if you're listening. Oh, wouldn't that be a grand Samsung? Samsung's new screen. Now, I think I've actually heard about this. Um, it was like a... I can't even remember. Go for it. Hit me with it. I swear I've heard of this. Okay, it's an, it's their new monitor. So basically they've got the new QD OLED, which I'd love to get into, but I wouldn't shut up. And um, I don't know. <laughs> Let us know on Twitter if you want me to hit, do more techie stuff. But basically, it's a PC monitor with all the stuff you'd have on a smart TV, but for PC. So the short version is you could do Xbox, Game Pass, Netflix, Stan and everything, mm. minus any computer or console. Right. So you buy just the screen and you can play Xbox games or you can uh, watch Netflix. Like it is what I would call the first smart monitor. And I think that's really cool. Like, especially when we've got a uh, console shortage. Wait. Yeah, that actually is kind of interesting. That just makes my lazy ass go, yes, sink my butt into the couch even further. I want a deeper ass group. Yes, um, I, I, I want to... I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I realised where my brain was going. I'm not sure we, we say those things. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, okay, so we've gone down the route of Lord of the Rings. You've watched The Rings of Power. What about House of the Dragon? Have you been following that as yet have you jumped in i haven't yet we we are still deciding how we're going to watch it ah look binge is actually quite cheap and you know what amazed me these days is just for another weird technical aside standard def is now just 720p yeah so th this I, I, I take two issues with that go for it one i'm not calling binge cheap <laughs> true in your current state i can fully agree <laughs> that too um yeah, because we, we do have uh, Binge. Um, I think we've got sort of all the streaming services or access to them either at our house or around. Yeah. Um, the best you can get on Binge is 1080p. Um, oh. And for all the advertising about it being 4K, I'm like, why why can I only stream it in 1080? Like, I'm, I'm quite lucky in that I inherited a really nice 4K HDR TV. And I'm like, cool. 
I have been absolutely spoiled by that image quality, but now that's what I want to see. And especially when I know a show was shot for 4K HDR, why am I watching standard dynamic range in HD? Like, I, I don't want to watch that. That was like me becoming a, a console convert and then moving to PC. Like understanding what <laughs> understanding what sixty even just sixty frames a second felt like playing a video game. I'm like, why why have I never gone through this route before? So I'm worried because what? if I go down the four K TV route, I'm ruined. I'm absolutely ruined. Okay, let let me ask you a, a question, and it's the topic that we absolutely would have covered if we were still rolling at the time. But did you ever see the Snyder Cut of Justice League? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you watch it in cinemas or at home streaming? I actually think I went and watched it at home. Yeah, it was. It wasn't home. Perfect. Okay. Sometime off air, you've got to come round because um, I, I actually bought the like Dolby Vision version of it so we can watch it in in true like um true resolution, range, color and everything Ooh, as it was graded. Wow. Is it going to be graded better than... And then okay, let's see if enough. you're a convert. Is, is it going to be better looking than the final few episodes of Game of Thrones Season 8 where it was just full crushed blacks and everything? <laughs> Oh, that's another one. Okay, so Game of Thrones, the absolute, like, crushed blacks where you couldn't see anything, right? <clears throat> um, yeah, I can probably admit to this on, on, on air. So I, I did a rewatch of Game of Thrones. I think it was the start of this year. might have been the end of last year. And as I said, I've got binge, so I went to watch it there. And it was, like, pretty crap quality. Like, I, I just saw all this pixelation everywhere. I saw really grey blacks and really patchy areas. And about halfway through, I went, why, why am I paying for this? And I downloaded myself... <laughs> the actual um 4k rips of it oh wow so when i got from the blu-ray actually no it'd be even because blu-ray was still 1080 i right? i sailed the seven seas my friend you sailed the seven seas um and when i got to season eight oh my god it was absolutely beautiful like the biggest one is the battle for winterfell you know the big fight where all of us who watch it in australia just saw a black screen for 90 percent of the episode Watching it as it was actually graded, like take off the stream and watch it in true 4K, it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever watched in my entire life. It made me incredibly angry that we never got to see it. And, you know, because it is owned by that particular group who seemed to refuse to want to do 4K or proper um, resolution streaming, most people will never see it. But it was genuinely amazing. And I'm like, okay, I see what all the buildup was. I see why they were saying this is our generation's Helm's Deep, which to be clear, it's not, but it is absolutely gorgeous. I genuinely loved it and I actually rewatched the episode. It's the only episode I rewatched after binging the season again, probably binging the series wow. again. Is that a pitch for binge by using that word, binging? <laughs> I, no, here's the thing I will genuinely say do not buy binge to people. Like, it, it, to me, it is such a waste that you have the capacity to stream high-quality things. You have the licensing, because I know who owns the licensing. It's Murdoch Media, who, um, this isn't partisan one way, but they also stream at 4K on Foxtel if you're paying like 300 a month. So they have the license for 4K. They, they need to add it. I don't think it's good enough to be offering HD as the highest resolution for your streaming service, especially not at like it's something like 19 bucks a month. Like it's ridiculous. It's not cheap. It all adds up. Yeah, and that's to get HD. Like if you pay less, you don't even get 1080p. And again, it's all standard dynamic range. I don't think it's good enough. I, I would actively tell people not to get binge. Wow. Well, we've just got to deal with it until the end of the season and then we'll see how we go from there. Yeah, I, I kind of hope that it, it comes out in 4K um, here, even on disc or something, if I have to go that route, because... I would like to watch it properly, which is 
which brings us back to, I think, the question you asked me about 10 minutes ago before I started ranting. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how I'll watch it because uh, the TV I have, as I said, very nice, but it's a, it's an older one and Binge isn't supported app on it. Yeah. So I can connect like my laptop and we can watch it there. But again, we're on 1080p. Do I want to do that and keep up with it? Do I want to wait for 4K and, you know, experience it properly? Is it even going to be worth the money at that point? Or are you going to be behind the uh, behind the times? You know, those people who still have avoided Game of Thrones and then only now just getting into it, and they're like, yep, you're about 10 years too late, buddy. Yeah, also, I'm so sorry for what you're going to go through as you get there. Because, <laughs> like, when we were in the hype of it, we didn't know how poorly it was going to end. But you know, it's all over the internet. <laughs> it is entirely on you now if you start that and get into oh, it. Oh, man, tell me about it. And now, can I ask... Are you a fan of graphic novels? Surprisingly not. Like, as someone with dyslexia, you'd think that would be absolutely where I'd go for. But actually, not so much. Like, don't get me wrong, absolutely respect the medium. Um, I think they're phenomenal, but it's just, it's never something I've got into. Okay. Interesting. Because the reason I ask is that there's been this massive, I say massive, it's just been that slow controversy over the years of The Crow. Right, the original graphic novel by James O'Barr, which was a story about grief after his girlfriend died in a car crash, uh, was then adapted by Australian director Alex Proyas in about, what was it, 90, 94. And then obviously the tragic story of Brandon Lee dying on set after a prop master put a, it wasn't a blank, um, but there was something there, that There's a lot of allegedly of, around that story, I just want to add in. Yeah, there is a lot of allegedness and the like, and it is just tragic, and again... And we, obviously it's tragic, but yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, missed, we don't uh, want to insinuate things. I don't think we ever discussed Rust, because we're way behind, beyond that. Oh um, god, we are we are so far behind. No, we didn't. Um, well, before we go on to Rust, I want to say there is definitely an amount of allegedly here, but no, absolutely, let, let, let's get into it. We'll get there. We can do that, we can do that on like an armed safety thing, or, you know, a fight course. We can bring a few people in and discuss that in a professional way. Oh, that could, that could be fun. Get, get... That would be a fun one. We'll get a few people. We'll, we'll, we'll talk off that off air. I, I, I was going to throw some ideas, but let's, let's I'll throw you them off air. So, yeah, well, right now, um, there's been the constant need to get a new reboot of The Crow out of development hell. It's had so many people attached. The biggest name at one point was Jason Momoa was going to sign on as Eric Draven. Now, I believe it is Rupert Sanders and Bill Skarsgård. Um, is now going to be playing Eric Draven. At least that's the idea. And it finally um, got a place to rest in the sense of, like, it's going to film at uh, basically a... Oh, what do you call it? It's uh, Penzing Studios. So it's basically in Germany. Um, it's going to be an all-virtual... So all the virtual production in The Crow is going to be done... Um, in this German studio. So they are taking it overseas and it looks like it is getting legs. Um, so I'm, I'm excited because I know there's a lot of people who say, oh, you should leave Brandon's legacy where it is, but I'm like, that's not the point. The Crow was never going to be a franchise in the same way that people imagine like Marvel or anything. The idea of The Crow... <laughs> Nothing's going to be a franchise like Marvel is. Uh, yeah, true, right? But The Crow was meant to be a reimagining, is that The Crow takes on many different forms of people who are wronged. That's why you have the likes of City of Angels, you know. After Brandon, there was Mark Dacascos and a few others. Like, they did the TV series. And after, like, the original graphic novels, they went on and did multiple ones. They did, like, uh, Memento Mori and a few others. There's some great stories of The Crow that aren't Eric Draven. And I'm just like, let's try and hopefully take away from the Eric Draven story. I ha I, and I've heard no news. But, like, Alex Proyas goes off about it on the internet, um, and it is quite interesting to see. Because 
are there any other directors in the past who've had like an IP of theirs, I say loosely, remade and have been able to physically say, oh, this is an absolute load of crap, should never have been made. <laughs> okay, it's it may not be where you're thinking of going, but my first thought there, and again, there's some controversy on this one if you dig in, but Sylvester Stallone and Rocky. I don't know if you've been keeping up with that. Mm, no. I'll, I'll admit I'm not like all over it. It's it's one of the headlines that caught me and I've had a read, so I'm not up to everything, but Sylvester Stallone is really annoyed at... Um, who are the people who now own Rocky for making more movies? He's like, it, they're they're rubbish. He wants them, you know, he wants those rights back to give something to his children and all that. And obviously, there's the argument of why did you sell it? And there's a lot. I don't don't want to get into it because I don't know it. But you you say the situation of where you know someone's made something their IP and it's sold for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, that's that that's what that's what comes to mind. Yeah. You're not talking about not like, uh, wait. So. Hang on, I'm I'm a little lost here. So Stallone has actively kind of come out and just been talking about it because the rights technically, because um, the Rocky Balboa character appears in Creed, right? The Ryan Coogler film, which uh... yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the last one that um, Stallone is in. Yeah. Okay. So the rights to that franchise um, aren't owned by Stallone. Ha. Huh. Okay, that's actually fascinating. Well, I'm going to have to go a deep, deep dive into that because that would be interesting. <laughs> I mean, Stallone is what? He's got to be mid-70s by now, right? Uh, I think he was 70s last time I checked a number of years ago. Let's let's take a look. 76. Is he? Yeah. So he's kind of like that. And he, he did Samaritan recently, which is also on Amazon Prime. I was about to say Samaritan has just launched, which is a new one. Maybe we should watch that. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely down for that. It looks like a lot of fun. I do love the old grizzled hero that, you know, has a bone to pick just with life. So hopefully it doesn't go down that bone to pick of, oh, I'm just going to only pick this per certain part of society that ends up being like an ethnic minority or anything like that. That that was definitely an issue with, I think it was Rambo 5, I want to say. Yeah. It was one of the, I think it was the last blood. It was the most recent yeah. one because he ends up going to Mexico or something. And I'm like, dude, really? Yeah. And it, 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 it very felt, it very much felt like, um, Mexicans are the baddies was the message. <gasps> oh my God. I need to just tangent onto this. Have you seen, oh God. um, the trailer for Breitbart Media's My Son Hunter? I do not want to give these pricks an ounce of attention, but uh, no, you're making you're making me feel like I need to Google this. Gina Carano, remember her? Oh, okay. Yeah, remember that. We're gonna take a pause here. I'm gonna let Wombat watch this trailer, and we're gonna come back. Okay, you saw it. What did you think? I I saw something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's um. Like, it just looks bad in so many ways. Like, I, I assume they're trying to come out as, a, like, this this is what happened, but it, it makes it look like it's coming from a dodgy point of view, if that makes sense. Like, I'm trying to figure out a better way to phrase this because I only saw it, like, 12 seconds ago. Right. It's so... It's like they're trying to do a, a similar thing that they did with the movie Vice, uh, with Christian Bale, which is so much fun as a film. 
but I've seen lower budget Australian films that look better than this. Hey, Australians can make some films, man. Exactly, we can. We could you give an Australian filmmaker two and a half million dollars, and they will give you absolute gold, mate. That's how most of our films are made. Two and a half mil. God, I wish I had two and a half mil for things I shoot. Oh yeah, mate, you could make ten projects for that much. <laughs> and actually get a decent return on investment. I do not think that this is going to be... Like, it's either a, they're trying to get a decent return on investment or they are just swindling a whole bunch of people. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like there, like there's absolute... I say I feel like there is definitely a fan base out here who wants and will go and see this movie. Absolutely. I don't know how much of a two and a half million return plus advertising they'd get back from it. Like, I don't know how many there actually are. Uh, I would agree. There's a lot going on there. So, all right. How are we looking for next week? I think there's some shows that I'm really excited about for the Emmys to come up. Um, I think Barry was one that's looking like it's going to be nominated. I saw that on the list. Barry Barry is nominated. Barry Curb Your Enthusiasm. Hacks. Hacks is one that you need to watch. It's just a remarkably well-written series. Um, I think it's an HBO slash HBO Max kind of show. Um, yeah, it's such a fun... It's literally just like a mother-daughter story for two people who are not related and are just terrible and great for each other at the same time. Um, it did get renewed for a third season, so I'm really, really happy about that as we've just kind of gone, all right, we got to the end of the second season. What's the next payoff? I want more. I, know, I, I must admit, I don't recognize a lot of these titles, which makes me just feel like I haven't been watching much. And, like... You know, I think Only Murders in the Building is up for something as well. Everyone keeps telling me to watch Only Murders in the Building. Have you seen it? I've tried. I've tried. And may look, maybe it's one of those things that just gets better as it goes on. Like, Black Sails was fantastic. Um, but yeah, the first three episodes just didn't hook me. And this is ironic because we're podcasters talking about a show about creating a podcast. <laughs> and yeah, I will admit that Okay, name something that you're late to the game on when it comes to just... Making a podcast post-pandemic? <laughs> what about a TV show or something you just got into? Because I want to kind of finish on this. Um, I recently just started watching Ash vs. Evil Dead. It's now on Netflix Australia. I haven't even heard of that one. And... Okay, so it's basically set 30 years on in the Evil Dead universe. For the fans out there, Sam Raimi was the director of the Evil Dead series. Uh, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and then for some stupid reason, they the studios decided to name it Army of Darkness <laughs> and not Evil Dead 3. Um, and so, yeah, it's set 30 years on from that series. Um, and it's basically that Ash Williams, Bruce, played by Bruce Campbell, is a complete washed-out loser and basically speaks the words from the Necronomicon and unleashes evil upon the earth. And it's just so silly and schlocky. They knew exactly what they wanted to go out and make. The Stars Network knew. They're like, yeah, let's go for it. And ended up getting like three seasons. And I'm at the end of season one and I'm loving it. It is just so perfectly silly, which is why I actually loved Multiverse of Madness. And I don't think a lot of people enjoyed it as much. Oh, I love Multiverse of Madness. I, I didn't like it as much as uh, Spider-Man, but that's not to say I didn't absolutely love it. I had a great time watching it. 
Yeah, it was well. Multiverse of Madness was like unapologetically Raimi in a lot of bits. Yeah, very what, much. Uh, so many people were not prepared for some of the stuff that happened in that. Like, well, you know what? They didn't grow up with Sam Raimi Spider Man, clearly. Exactly, and that's always a huge deal. So Sam Raimi, obviously making another impact. But you ask people these days who Sam Raimi is, they might not even know. But he's just one of those directors that still made his own unique impact. And I love it. As he's one of the directors that um, I ended up watching a ton of behind the scenes on, actually from Spider-Man when I was in film school. I have no idea how it ended up in the syllabus. Um, but like there were entire lectures where the lecturer would just put on a behind the scenes from like Spider-Man 3 or something. Really? Which in one, in one case, it's kind of like, why am I paying you this much money for this? But on the <laughs> other hand, it's, it's kind of cool looking back. Oh, God. I do just love it, because if you have a look, there was like a good nine years between Oz the Great and Powerful, where he was a director, and then Multiverse of Madness. Now, he'd done a few kind of producer gigs, but he's been obviously just looking for the right project more than anything else. I mean, who knows? Maybe, um, because this, he would have taken Multiverse on sort of around the time of the pandemic, right? Maybe, maybe it was just a change again. Actually true. Yeah, <laughs> he would have. It could be. Absolutely right. Oh. Yes, no, you're right. February 5th, <laughs> 2020. So a month before the pandemic struck. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, how would you be? And then, oh yes, that's right. Because I'm a, I'm a fantasy nerd. So uh, it was back in 2018 is a, a series that is still in development hell is uh patrick rothfuss's king killer chronicle uh with the name of the wind and yeah that's still kind of going we still haven't heard anything on that which makes me sad you know what i mean i i hate it when you get excited for a project and it's just the only news you ever get is delayed <sighs> well we're getting delays on the third book anyway but i'm not going to go into that it's fine we're never getting that. It's like like the winds of winter and the song of spring. <laughs> I was about to say, never going to happen. We're not getting doors of stone. It's always the race. Like as, as a book fan in the fantasy world, it's like you can safely bet that Brandon Sanderson is always going to release another book before George R.R. R. Martin, Patrick Rothfuss, and Scott Lynch all combine. <laughs> that man is an absolute output machine. Mind you, what, what's interesting is recently... Um... On Game of Thrones, Martin's uh, come out and said a few things against uh, D&D and what happened with the final seasons. Really? Yeah, apparently he, he um, I don't want to misquote him, but like he was sort of pushed to the side and he was saying this should happen or it should be extended for this or this needs to happen and just kind of got a, yeah, no. Oh, wow. And, and that's always going to happen is eventually when you sign your rights over, you need to make sure that your contract is watertight. And I think it's going to be fun because I do want to bring on a guest who is a writer and kind of discuss, um, you know, film, television, and hell, we might even discuss the uh, the legal standing of what happened with Game of Thrones. She's an absolute Game of Thrones nerd. I, and, I, I look forward to that, although I don't think I'm going to 
go as far as to rewatch Game of Thrones again for that. <laughs> I think she'll be able to explain it enough, so you'll be covered. I think I remember enough. Oh, that said, actually, um, I'm pretty sure I've still got a copy here. You should absolutely come over and I'll show you the Battle of Winterfell as it was intended. Oh, absolutely. I would love to see that. So now, normally we need to end this with a political rant. Was there anything that you wanted to get off your chest this fortnight? Look, there, there are many things, but as I, I believe I said the last one, I just remembered we, we have new neighbours moved in and we are obviously recording from home um and there are some kids here and i can get a bit worked up so i'm i'm going to not swear really loudly this time and say thanks for listening everybody but you can get plenty of my rants over on my other social medias do you want to give yourself a bit of a plug wombat yeah we, we probably should do that um you can find me on tiktok twitter instagram and youtube um all of those except youtube are under wombat gts on youtube it's wombat thomas wombat goth townie um There'll be links for that on Popcast's various socials. And cricket can be found. On Popcast. That's all I'm giving away. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Cricket. I'm Wombat. We'll see you next time. The following podcast is brought to you by Force of Fictions and Wombat Poo Productions. Our opening and closing theme is Road Trip by Joaquin Karad. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts through Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Remember to follow us on Facebook, give us a like on Instagram, and also keep up to date on Twitter. And remember, tell your friends. We'll see you next time.